Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today, we're celebrating Mother's Day here at Bethany Community Church. We'd like to wish all the mothers in our lives a happy Mother's Day. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Amen. Well, it's so good to see all of you here, the ones that I can see. Uh, good to see you here. Thanks for being thanks for being our guest today, so many of you, and I really appreciate those of you who brought a guest today. Uh, I think Anna Elise here probably brought the most, <laughs> though she gets the prize today. And uh, it's really good to know I can't see them, but I know my friends, Dennis and Donna Burrell, are there, and uh, we're just so glad they're going to be parked out back for a few weeks, and uh, we're just really delighted to have them and former pastors of community, Covenant Community in uh, Rehoboth, and just great friends of mine, and just um, so happy them. Dennis is having some uh, procedures done in his eyes, and so we're going we're gonna to pray him through it, right? It's going to be great. He's going to be in better shape than ever. It's pretty good to be able to see when you drive a, a, a 40-foot motorhome. You know, it's, it's just a good idea. I like for those people to get their eyes fixed. <laughs> well, we're going to do something really fun here on Mother's Day, and that's we're going to dedicate a baby. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So I want to invite the, the parents of Anna, Anna Elise Elizabeth Burke to come up here. Oh, man. Oh. Pat and Julie Burke, we're so happy uh, for you guys, and uh, we're so happy. This is something, you know, they, they have, if anybody's struggling, you want to have a child, you're, you're married, you want to have a child, they found the secret. The secret is you get approved for adoption. <laughs> you get approved for adoption, and that causes sp- spiritual things to just, in the universe, to start happening, right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> and uh, so Anna Elise Burke, uh, Burke was bo- Elizabeth Burke was born uh, 5-12-2019, May 12th, 2019. No, I put the wrong thing on there. I'm sorry. October 23rd. Oh, I, I'm reading this. This is 5. That's oh, that's today's date. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm all right. 10:23. I was reading the wrong line. 10:23/2018. Don't tell Sherry. She's not here today. So just don't tell her I did that. <laughs> Regional uh, Milford Regional Medical Center, 19 inches long, seven pounds four ounces. And uh, the parents are, of course, Julie and Patrick Burke. Grandparents, I believe, are here today: Joe and Joan Burke, and Denny and Kathy Beggs. And uh, the meaning of her name is devoted to God. Isn't that beautiful? And her lifetime verse is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, which says what? You, you're, shine, shine your light. Hopefully you have it. Because <laughs> I didn't memorize it. Here we go. <laughs> oh, you don't have it? Nope. <laughs> shine your light. Somebody look up Matthew 5, 16 for us. It's shine your light. 
Okay, that's your good, my good works may be seen by, by men and glorify our Father which is in heaven. I've, I've got everything memorized except that one verse. <laughs> everything else, I got it down. Well, I love this verse uh, related to child dedication because we're not only dedicating the baby, we're dedicating a family. We're dedicating parents who I know th- these guys so well. Uh, uh, Patrick uh, serves on our is one of our trustees and they serve this church as community group leaders and in so many other ways. And they're just a, a, a part of the um, DNA of this church body. And I have such high regard for the Burke family. In this scripture, I know they're going to live it out. It says, Hear Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are, on, are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your, of, of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord brings you, when the Lord your God brings you the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. So I know you're going to live out the promise of God. And those were, those were even people under the old covenant. Now we have the new covenant, which has been sealed by the resur- birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we are re- really well equipped to do this. Amen. Can I hold her? Of course you can. All right. Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> well, I, Sherry would really be surprised if she came home and I had her at home, my house. <laughs> we love babies around here, don't we? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Anna, Elise, Burke today to you. We just pray I. I, I your protection on her life morally and spiritually, mentally. Father, we pray that her purpose will be discovered, that her gift, her calling in life will be established. And she will have the confidence to go forth and be everything you've ordained for her to be. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that as soon as she is able to understand and grasp the gospel, that she will accept the gospel. And she will receive the salvation that is promised to every human being on the earth. And she will flow out of that into being an integral and vital part of the kingdom of God for her entire life. Pray, Father, not just for later in life, not just for uh, just in time to make it to heaven. But, oh, Father, that her entire life will be a, a gift, Father, as Samuel was when he was given to God's work. And we give her to you, God. We dedicate her to you and we dedicate this family to you. We anoint her as a child of the Most High God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, happy Mother's Day. Uh, We have a very, very special gift for all of you moms today. We want to give that to you right now. So if I could have our ushers get get into gear and 
if, uh, pass, r just raise your hand if you're a mom here today. Uh, ushers are passing those out right now, right? We're going to go in our Bibles today. to the book of Matthew, I'm sorry, book of Luke, book of Luke chapter 1, verse 37, Luke chapter 1, verse 37 and 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, I want to preach to you today about a subject I'm going to call uncommon mothers, uncommon mothers. Because what we see in the Word of God and we see uh, all around us, we, you may think, we have some very, un, you know, we're in unusual situations oftentimes in our lives. And as I look around our church and our body, I am so thrilled to see so many people in, who are living out some, some sometimes difficult situations, sometimes complicated situations, blended families. And one of the cool things here at Bethany's, we have, we've had for years situations where uh, stepdads and moms and ex-spouses are able to come to church and worship in the same place, and isn't that really cool? Isn't that really cool that we can have that happen here? So I want you to know today that uncommon and sometimes complicated situations are not anything new. But they've been around for a very, very long time. And I want you to see today that God in his wisdom and God in his plan and in his power has, finds a way and seems to be almost intentional about doing some amazing and unusual things with uncommon situations and uncommon mothers. The first one is, of course, to marry the mother of Jesus, Luke chapter 1. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I think most of you are pretty familiar with the story of Mary. I want to jump over to also to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chooses those nobodies, to expose the hollow pretension of the somebodies. There are three mothers I want to bring to your attention. One is Mary, the mother of Jesus. A young girl in a patriarchal culture with no credentials, no accomplishment, wasn't even married to her child's father. In a culture where women actually got stoned for that, right? Bathsheba, another woman, that mother, uncommon mother that I want to bring to your attention today, Bathsheba was the mother of wise King Solomon, eventually. She was married to the man who had ordered a hit on her husband. That's a pretty unusual circumstance. And as a judgment from God, their first child had died. Interesting. That the child who came from that union, the child who came from that situation, was the one who, when Jesus came to earth, he was compared to. They said a, a greater than Solomon is here. That's pretty good company. Nobody ever did that with me. Nobody ever said a greater than Pastor Phil is here, referring to Jesus. Nobody ever puts me in the same sentence with Jesus in that way. Jochebed is the third mother I want you to know about today. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. 
Even if you haven't read the Bible, you probably saw the movie, right? Jochebed, the mother of Moses, because of a genocidal oppression, Pharaoh, instituted by Pharaoh, who ruled her home country now in Egypt where she was living, she had to get herself hired as a nanny in order to parent her own child. These were uncommon mothers, unbelievable disadvantages, who had uncommon results at raising champions in life. What do God's uncommon mothers do that separate them from the pack for personal empowerment, happiness, success, and more than anything, producing those great champions? How many of you mothers here today want to produce in your life a great champion? Amen? How many of you want to produce somebody who is going to make a difference in the world? That's the great reward of motherhood. Number one, God's uncommon mothers don't let their circumstances paralyze them. They don't let their circumstances paralyze them. All three women that I mentioned had circumstances that could have paralyzed them and kept them from moving forward in any way, in any productive way, kept them from moving into the plan of God for their life. Mary, a teenage girl, pregnant out of wedlock. How do you explain to a community that your, your pregnancy was, the, the person responsible for your pregnancy is the Holy Spirit? I don't think that that carries weight with very many people. That's the circumstances that she found herself in. Not only that, she found herself politically under two weighty regimes. The weighty regime of the Pharisees and all the, all the bondage that being in that religious system carried at that time in history. And not only that, but the, the incredible, terrible weight of the Roman oppression and the Roman the, the, the greatest dynasty uh, that ever lived, but also probably the, one of the most oppressive dynasties that ever existed that conquered most of the known world at that time. And so they were under this double oppression and everything looked bleak and everything looked dark and you, you know it was bleak and dark. Not only they had the Roman oppression, the Pharisaical oppression of the religious system, but then there was the governor, Herod, who was so depraved and so degenerate that he, in order to protect his own kingdom, would order the death of every child, every young boy two years of age and under. She was living in very, very, very difficult times. And we tend to think that, and I hear this all the time, I hear preachers say this all the time, that, 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 that times have never been worse than now. I, I sometimes wonder about that. How could it be worse? How could, how could it be worse than what Marion, Jochebed, and these women had to live with? It was pretty rough but they were not paralyzed by their circumstances. You know, here's the things that paralyze, worry and fear, paralyze. Mary, Bathsheba, Jochebed had a lot to fret and whine about, didn't they? Jochebed could have spent her days, that's the mother of Moses I'm talking about, she could have spent her days wringing her hands over the awful oppression, the murderous authority, she could, her own fragility, and, and, and for good reasons. She could have, you know, you, you wonder why people, uh, why people, let's say, for instance, take drugs or, 
or, or why they become alcoholics, or why do people take their own life, and we often ask why when, when, when these things happen, when people go off the rails and do uh, very, very self-destructive things. And, and, and it happens with mothers. I see mother, many mothers go off the rails and do, do very destructive things. And we, but we always ask the question, why, why, is the, why are they doing this? I think that's the wrong question. The question is, why don't they? The question is not why do they? Why do we do self-destructive things, but why don't we? Why, why don't more of us do self-destructive things? Because life is truly difficult. Life is truly hard. There's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of pain. If I begin to right now release this room to have, to have you stand and give prayer requests for your complicated situations and your pain and your difficulty, the struggles that are going on in your family, the struggles that are going on in your relationships. I mean, we would be here, we would be here all day easily just hearing your stories of pain and suffering and difficulty that exist right in this room. But it seems apparent that people like Jochebed did not curse the darkness. We're left to speculate about Bathsheba's personal pattern, but it seems apparent that she didn't curse the monarchy or the patriarchy or the situation that she found herself in. You see, Bathsheba was a woman who one day was bathing in the river, and the king looked down and saw her, and he called her to the, to the palace, and they had, uh, they had a rendezvous, and she became pregnant from that rendezvous. Now, we don't know. We don't know, really know her frame of mind. We don't know her frame of mind. We don't, we don't really under, we don't know what altogether the emotional part she played in that situation. But, it, but, but keep in mind, she was in a very, very patriarchal and also a, a, a monarchy where the king absolutely ruled. So there was, there was a slight power differential between a resident and the community whose husband was a far as we can tell, he wasn't a commander in the army. He was a low-level soldier because he was ordered around. So she didn't have a lot of clout, and she didn't have a lot of privilege. I'm talking to you about uncommon situations, difficult situations. Somehow, somehow, some way, even Bathsheba, and we don't know a lot about her, like I said, but somehow she overcame the paralysis and she became the king's wife. Fretting and whining paralyzes as well. Mary, Bathsheba, Jochebed had plenty to resent, plenty to leave them bitter, plenty to leave them without grace, and we don't know that they didn't have their moments. They probably had their meltdowns. They probably did, but one thing we know is that their resentment and unforgiveness wasn't allowed to go to the point of paralysis because they all move forward. Another thing that paralyzes is resentment and unforgiveness. Mary, Bathsheba, Jochebed had plenty to, be un, to, be, to, to not forgive, plenty to take away their grace. We don't know that they didn't feel that way at times, but somehow, some way, we know that bitterness did not Bitterness did not paralyze Jochebed for the situation that she's in with a murderous, murderous regime that was going around and killing all the young boys in Egypt. 
Because just like it's a parallel to the New Testament, just a very, very much a parallel to that, that the, the, the Pharaoh began to fear the people of Israel that they were going to be too great and they were going to be too powerful. So he began to kill all the young boys. There was plenty to resent. But she didn't. Another thing that paralyzes is rage and anger. Now, I give anger and rage their own categories because while resentment and unforgiveness are the deep and seething response inside the soul that makes us incapable of embodying the grace of God, rage is the fire that comes through our lips and our facial expressions and even causes us to hurl objects at the direction of our accused. And it will cause you, I'm telling you, rage will cause you to lose the opportunity for fruitfulness. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Ephesians 4 says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know, I believe in speaking truth to power. Yes, I believe in speaking truth to power. I believe that we need to stand up for those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized. We need to stand up for ourselves sometimes when we're oppressed and marginalized. We, we need to speak truth to power, but uh, you know, there's something just as important in this, in this whole deal. We need to speak truth to powerlessness. We need to speak truth to powerlessness. We need to introduce those people who are powerless. Yes, we need to tell them about justice they deserve, but we also need to tell them about a justice that comes from on high, a justice that comes from God, a justice that is, that is, that, that is an answer to prayer, a justice that comes from them as, 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 as a reward for their faith, as a reward for you want to go over the head of authority, well, let me tell you, the way to go ahead of authority is go to the supreme authority, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why Jesus has those titles, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, so I cannot be a victim. I can go beyond being a victim, and I can become a victor in the name of Jesus, and I can go around whatever authority and whatever oppression. God has a plan. God has a plan for oppressed people, and it's not just to... To, to, to destroy the oppressors, God has a plan to lift up the oppressed and give them success in spite of the oppression. Amen? God's greatest glory arises out of our greatest perplexities. Michael and Camille friends, these are a good illustration of an uncommon mother. You want to fix it? Yeah. Driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy, too. <laughs> Michael and Camille Francisi talk about uncommon motherhood. Talk about a complicated situation, one that I would not recommend you get involved in. If you're a Christian young lady and you're looking for a husband, I would not recommend you make yourself available to a Michael Franzese. Camille, Camille Garcia was her name, her unmarried name, was uh, a, a young actress. And this has been a number of years ago. And to, 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 to date the movie that she was in, uh, Smokey Robinson, 
and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. starred in the movie. <laughs> so that's a while, a few years ago, right? And uh, uh, so she, she was in this movie, and Michael Francis was the producer of the movie. And they got, he was very, very, very attracted to her. But he noticed that she wasn't coming out to any of the parties, and she wasn't going out to the bars with everybody afterward. And he was puzzled by that. And so he was uh, very interested in getting to know her better. So he just confronted her one day. He said, why aren't you coming to the parties? And why aren't you going to the bar after? She said, well, I'm a Christian. And therefore, I don't go party with you guys. I'm not going to do that. Well, that made him even more attracted to her. Because he was a mobster. He was, uh, Michael Francis was, according to, to, to Vanity Fair magazine in that day, he was the richest mobster since Al Capone. He, he had a scheme for uh, uh, robbing the government of, tax, of, of gasoline taxes. He, he owned and operated 350 gas stations in and around New York City and, and a couple of car dealerships. He was, he was profiting. His profit was between 5 and $10 million a week. And for some crazy reason, these two people, this young Christian girl and this 29-year-old mobster, developed a relationship. And like I said, I'm not advising this. It's not, this is not a sermon about marriage advice. <laughs> I think she made a mistake. But listen, listen. I want you to know, a lot of times the church, we, we are so concerned about keeping anybody from making mistakes. And we make our message so much about, don't make mistakes, don't make mistakes, don't make mistakes. God's going to get you if you make mistakes. You're going to mess up your life if you make mistakes. You're going to ruin your life if you make mistakes. And all that is, all that is, a lot of that is true. And you need to listen. And there's a lot in the Bible about listening to wise advice. But the balancing message of the church is that God redeems our stupid decisions. Amen? Amen? That God is... So she marries... uh, Camille marries Michael Francis. Francis. And she doesn't think about the fact that he's probably got indictments waiting on him. The feds are after him. So sure enough, after they marry... He, he, go, he has to go on trial for these old crimes. And he, he, he made the decision to marry her, he would leave the mob. So that, that's double trouble. When you got the feds after you and the mob after you. So he had the feds after and the mob after him. In fact, they, 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 they had a baby pretty quickly. And, and they're, they're having to move every few weeks to stay ahead of the mob. Because the mob's trying to kill it. And the feds are after him. And he's on trial. So he, he eventually goes to prison for like five, six years, and uh, then does his time, and then he gets out of prison. And it's tough. When, when, when you refuse to give the federal government the information they want, they make it very hard on you. And he was refusing to turn state's evidence on the mob. So he gets out, he gets out, of, the, he gets out of prison, and he does a stupid thing. He forgets he's late filing his income tax. Well, that's, that's a parole violation. So the feds come after him, get him again, and they tell him this time, because they've got so much dirt on him, they said, we're going to get rid of you forever. You're never going to get out of prison again. And he talked about that night. If you hear him tell his testimony, he talks about that night that he's, in, in, he's back in jail, and the feds are saying, you're never coming out. We have so much on you. You're never coming out. And he said he began to feel the worst despair of his life, and he still has not become a Christian. 
He still has not become a follower of Jesus Christ. He's in such bad shape that the guard came by and the guard said, are you okay? And he ran the guard off. A minute later, the guard comes back and he shoves a Bible through the, through the, through the bars and the Bible falls on the floor and he's so desperate and he's so praying, he started to cry out to God and said, God, I can't do this. And he picks up the Bible and he opens up the Bible. He had never opened the Bible in his life and he falls open to a, a scripture in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 7. And Proverbs 16, 7, I don't know if anybody knows. I know what that says. I may not have known that other verse, but I know what Proverbs 16, 7, because I studied for this. Proverbs 16, 7 says, If a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. <laughs> and he said, Whoa, I, that, that speaks to me. <laughs> And he began to cry out to God and make a long story short, the, the case that the federal government had against him began to fall apart. He still spent four years in solitary confinement, but his wife back at home began to send him every Christian book, every religious book. He read hundreds, because all he had to do was read. He, had, he read hundreds and hundreds of books in four years of imprisonment. And by the time he walked out of prison, he said, I was convinced that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And I was convinced that God was real. And I was convinced that I was going to serve him the rest of my life. And today, today, Michael and Camille Francis have a foundation for, for people who are in prison and youth and people who are at risk. And they're going around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because, because I don't know that Camille at all, but evidently she didn't get paralyzed by her terrible, difficult circumstances. And I'm challenging you, Mom, today. I'm challenging you that have that difficult and complicated situation. And, and I've watched it. We have some incredible testimonies that we, if we had time, we would share them here this morning of women in this church, mothers who've gone through terrible... I've, I, I've been to court with, with some of you, and I know the complicated, difficult situation you have with, 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 with biological dads and ex-husbands and difficult situations that I don't care how many laws they pass or, or, or how many programs they have, they're not going to fix it. They're not going to fix the complexities of your life, but I want you to know there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven that will, that will come through for you if you will believe him and you will not let your circumstances paralyze you. Number two, God's uncommon mothers figure out how to let God's creativity redeem their circumstances. Isaiah 43 verse 16 says, this is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. I said forget about what's happened. Turn to your neighbor and say forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Hallelujah. Let me give you some advice. Let me give you some bullet points. Calm yourself. Have you thought about, I know you've, you've racked your brain maybe about what you're going to do. 
But if you thought about just being different, we get so focused on doing, we forget about being. Have you thought about being in a way that expresses faith in God? Have you thought about just having a facial expression, a body language that expresses faith in God? Have you thought about just breathing in a way that expresses the joy of the Holy Spirit? Have you thought about just using a tone of voice that expresses hope and joy? Have you thought about just speech patterns and saying words that, that, that demonstrate faith and positivity and belief in an almighty God and belief in a living Savior and belief that you are going to make it and that God cares about you? Have you just thought about, sometimes, if you, sometimes you can't do anything else about your circumstances. Just be different. Just be different. Just be like Jesus. The second advice I want to give you is slow down your mind and think deeply. We don't understand very much about possession. And it's a scary thing. We don't want to tell any women they're demon-possessed. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> That's not a good idea. My, we've had, my Sherry and I have had some big fights, but I never went there. <laughs> I think I told her she was crazy one time, but that, 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 didn't, end well. that didn't end well either. So, so, but we don't understand very much about possession. It sounds weird and, and, and strange, people being possessed. But I believe there's something to going from possession to possessing. I said going from possession when a fear, a worry, a rage, an, an injustice has possessed you and you're in a state. When you go and you say, I'm going to shake that off and I'm going to get, begin to, instead of being possessed, I'm going to start to possess a joy, a victory, a belief, a positivity. So do that. Next, do something simple that's within your power to do. Mary had this complicated situation. You're pregnant, Mary. Woohoo! <laughs> Not married. You're in the first century. <laughs> You're in a culture that takes women out and stones them with, for stuff like that. You know what she did? She wrote a song. <laughs> she started to sing a song. That beautiful song. And, and she, you know, another thing she did, she went, and, she went and spent a few days with her favorite cousin. I love that. To me, to me that says, do what you can do. She, she, the Lord didn't say, you got to go deal with Caesar. <laughs> you got to go take care of Herod. You got to go down the Sanhedrin and straighten those monkeys out. No, just write a song and go visit your favorite cousin. <laughs> do what you can do. Don't curl up in a ball in the fetal position and say the world's coming to an end. Write a song. Go visit your favorite cousin. And look at Jochebed. And here she's, this, uh, this baby, Moses, when he's a little and he's tiny, and he's, uh, he was probably, in the beginning, he was quite like, like Anna Elise. 
You know, the reason we dedicated her later in the service, we don't usually dedicate babies that late in the service because most babies start to degenerate by, by 11. But we knew Annalise has just got this sweet little personality. We knew she was just going to be fine. I mean, 1 o'clock in the afternoon we could dedicate her. It would be fine. Well, Moses was a little boy, so I guarantee you he wasn't fine. So after he, after he began to get older, you know, at first they could hide him because the sentries would come around during the day looking for the babies that the weren't being killed. And at night they would go away. So after Moses started making noise and screaming and crying and being a brat, Jacob had said, I, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Well, I could try to pass a law that would be against the law to kill babies. And that'd be a great thing to do, but she wasn't really very good position to do that. You know, that, that probably was not going to end well if she took her placard down in front of Pharaoh's, you know, save the babies, you know, which would be a, a noble thing to do, but it wouldn't have worked, right? It's, it's good to do things that work. You know, it, it, don't just do noble things that get you killed. <laughs> she said, I will make a basket. Her husband probably began, what are you doing? I'm, what are you doing, crafts? when we got a serious situation on her hands. And she's making a basket, and she's waterproofing it, and she took her baby, and she put the baby in the river. Why, why did she do that? Because that's what, that's what her option was. That's what her option was. God blesses us when we, when we do what our options are. <laughs> God blesses us, amen? Whatever you do, stop making things worse. See, that's what I see about these mothers. They didn't go make things worse. They did something that made it better. They did something that gave them a chance. They didn't curse the, the government, and, and, and not that the government doesn't need to be cursed sometimes. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we don't need to try to change laws, and I'm not saying that either. But I want you to know, if you're a child of God, you got a secret weapon. You're a child of God, man. you got a secret and that is God will take your five loaves and two fishes and he will feed a multitude with it. Amen? God will take that little song that you write and he will have people singing that song for the next 2,000 years. God will take that little basket that you make and he will change the world. He will, he will create the deliverer of Israel who will take... Two million Israelis out of Egypt, across the, the Red Sea, to the promised land because a mom made a basket. I don't know, most of you never heard of Reverend Frederick Ike. Reverend Ike. He used, he used to say, you can't lose with the stuff we use. <laughs> I tell you, we need a sense of victory to come back into America among God's people. I've been on, I'm on social media a lot. I'm going to tell you, we don't have a sense of victory right now. We don't have a sense of triumph right now. We have a sense of fear. And we need to replace that fear with a sense of faith and triumph because everything in God's economy, everything in God's politics is right on schedule. Amen? God's got us right where he wants us. Amen? couple more bullets for you here. Stop 
giving any more energy to thinking about the problem. Start giving all your energy to thinking about solutions. That's the best advice I can give you today. You can go home now. That's the best advice I can give you. Stop giving your energy to focusing on the problem. Jochebed stopped thinking about the problem. And she started thinking about the solution. I'm going to make a basket. I'm going to put it in the river. I'm going to send Miriam down there, Moses' older sister, to watch the basket. God, that's the best I got. That's the best I can do for you, God. You have to do the rest. And God loves it when we do that. God loves it when we do the best we can do and we hand the rest of it over to him and just trust it. Mom, you need to do that. You single moms here today. You moms that are in challenging situations. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking on this, this front row here today and I love this front row and I'm looking at Bell and Megan Parr and their little Rosie and all the physical challenges she has. You want to get around two people that will build your faith. Get around Bell and Megan and hear how they, how they throw themselves. You talk about they think solutions and not problems. I look at it, sometimes I look at them and I go, I think of the problem. Oh boy, how do you do with that? When they, when they talk about it, never problematic. It's never, oh, we have a problem. Never. Never do they say, we have a problem. No, we, we have a beautiful child. And God blesses that. And God's going to keep blessing that. And, you know, you know the, whole, the whole abortion industry, there's a lot to hate about it and a lot to dislike about it. And, and, and I, say that with, I say that with just, I, I want you to know, I know many, many, many in this room have had abortions. And I just want you to know, you, 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 the, the, there's no, not a hint of condemnation in my heart toward any of you. You are, you are entitled to God's grace and God's mercy in every single way. And, and I, so I'm not, I'm not trying to, to be, but I, I tell you what bothers me, many, quite a few things bother me about abortion, but one of the things that bothers me most is it's all, out, it's not out of faith. It's, it's, not, it's not, not done out of faith. It, it's not, faith says, yes, I understand the argument for, for not bringing, wanting to bring unwanted children into the world. I understand the argument. But listen, I have a God who can take care of unwanted children. I have a God who can raise people up, good people up who will help solve the problem. We've, we've got to stop thinking so much about the problem and start thinking about the, the, a real solution. Amen? Yeah. I like Psalms 37.8 of the Message Bible. Bridle your anger, trash your wrath, cool your pipes. <laughs> it only makes things worse. Finally, number three, God's uncommon mothers prioritize the godly success of the next generation. Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. As women, I understand you seek to be just as empowered as your male counterparts, and that's fine. But there's a caution to be had when we imitate others, we tend to imitate their flaws as well as their strengths. The neglect of the next generation for career success, self-centered pursuits, and leaving the children's outcome to others has been a general male 
as some would say, toxic male defect for hundreds of years that we need to correct in males. So whatever you do, mom, whatever you do, ladies, whatever you can borrow from the male gender and you can be, you can be competitive in their environments, go for it. God bless you. But don't copy our sin. Don't copy our male dysfunction. Don't copy our male pathologies. Don't copy our male toxicity. Prioritize the next generation. There's nothing that matters more than that. There's nothing that matters more than that. Partnering with God for your natural and your supernatural kids, and I know there are a bunch of you here today that you've got, maybe you don't have a natural kids, but you've got a lot of supernatural kids. You're a godly person. Partnering with God for your natural, supernatural kids. Partnering, partnering, so that's what I want you to do. Partner with your pastor for God's, for your kids in supernatural. We're here, to, we're here to help you raise your kids. You know, like the commercial. I know I, know I don't look too bright, but I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. <laughs> I've been up here waving my arms around for 30, for 40 years almost. I've seen a lot. I know a lot from my mis- I know more from my mistakes than most of you know from your things you did right. So partner with me in raising great kids. Partner with the youth pastors and the youth ministry and the youth staff for raising good natural and supernatural kids. By the way, our youth pastor and our youth our youth pastors Zach and Alyssa graduated from, we went to this yesterday, amen, from North Point Bible College and Graduate School, and kudos to him, Zach graduated with honors, and so give him another hand for that. (laughs) Partner with your church family. Partner with your church family. I don't, you know... Hillary said it takes a village to raise kids, raise, a fa- raise children. I think it takes a church. Partner with your church family for, for great kids. Partner with good, solid, and wise members of your natural family for natural and supernatural kids. Partner with a good scripture-filled professional counselor when you need to. Partner with other families in the church. Recreate that community that we used to have. You've got that opportunity to do it. If you'll really become a part of a church community, you can be, renew that community. See, I grew up as a, I grew up as a kid, a toe-head, cotton-headed t- kid in McKinney, Texas. And when I was seven, eight years old, I ran all over town. But my mother wasn't worried because every, everybody in town would tell on me if I did anything. Because we were a community. We were a community. Well, the church can be that for if you'll let it be. Partner with the tremendous apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers in the body of Christ for your kids. Listen, let me tell you something. We're not just trying to produce kids who've joined the Salvation Club, assuring them of eternal life. Because that's what a lot of parents do. If they can just get their kids to find out that their kids went forward up in children's church or at a kid's crusade and someone prayed the sinner's prayer with their kid, they're like, yes, they spiked the ball. Thank God the church did its job. 
We got our kids' name on the roll and their names in the book and their names on the roll and we're going to rock and roll because everything's set. No, don't just, don't just come to the church to get your kids to become a part of the Salvation Club, but come to church to say, I want to be a part of a church that's going to help me disciple and raise up champions for God, champions in life and champions for Jesus Christ. Would everybody say amen? Now, I've been trying to make the point that God is on your side, Mom. Sometimes as human beings, we just stop short. And the advice we get from the culture, although it's good advice a lot of times, it just stops short of the God answer. And you're in church today, so you're interested in the God answer, right? I... There's this scene, and I love the sound of music, but there's, these, there's a couple of scenes that illustrate my point. Remember Maria, right? Sound of music, Maria. She wants to be a nun, so she goes into the postulate, but she keeps getting in trouble because she's too high-spirited. And the Reverend Mother sings a little song, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? Right? And the solution was a song. How would you like to live your life in every conversation? Became a song. <laughs> the solution was climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow until you find your dream. Right? That was the solution. So Maria, I guess, followed her dream. She became a governess for George Von Trapp and his seven children. And you know how it goes to the end of the story, and she becomes his, you know, she eventually marries this guy and has all these kids, and they move to Vermont. <laughs> but after their performance at this festival, the Von Trapps manage, you know, the, the Nazis are after them, so they perform at this festival, and then they take refuge at this abbey where Mother Superior informs them that the borders have been closed, and she hides them in the abbey and in the graveyard before the Nazis arrive in hot pursuit, right? And she bestows on Mary, Maria these final words of wisdom before that climactic game of hide-and-seek in that great, great uh, play of movie and, and production. And the Reverend Mother reminds her of the opening verse of Psalms 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from what's come with my help. Wait a minute. She stopped right there. She's told Maria, the answer is in the mountains. Look at a mountain and it will solve all your problems. How many of you know that that's not all the scripture said? It didn't just say, go look at the mountains. Go look at the hills from whence comes your help. The rest of the verse, there's a faith alert here. Mother Superior stopped short of the glory of God. The rest of the verse says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uncommon mom, you want to have uncommon results? Don't just look to nature or the advice of culture. Look to God from which comes your help. Your help comes from the Lord. You have the secret sauce for making every complex situation 
uncomplicated, beautiful, and wonderful so that even out of your mistake comes a Solomon. Even out of your tragedy comes a deliverer of Israel. Even out of your most unconventional, unbelievable, that nobody would ever believe and nobody would ever trust your word when you say, I'm, this is a virgin birth, but out of your uncommon and, un, and very complicated situation comes the Savior of the world. You can't lose with the stuff we use. God is in your circumstances. And God is your hope. I want two things to happen right now. I want some of you to be encouraged. Because you're discouraged. I want you to be encouraged. And there's someone here, maybe more than one, who needs to cross the line of faith. And put your faith in an eternal God that you can access through the cross of Jesus Christ and through the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross, it gives you access to this eternal God. It gives you access to this powerful God that's not just waiting on you in the other side of heaven on streets of gold and gates of pearl, but is ready to inject himself into the complex and difficult and difficult and sometimes horrible situations of your present life, you will be so glad that you made that decision if you will make it with me right now. I'm going to pray. We have communion here. We don't have our normal prayer partners. because we want to. I know some of you need to go and make your dinner reservations for Mother's Day. But I want to pray with you right now. And then I want to invite you to, some of you will want to receive communion. If you don't choose to partake in communion today, uh, please take your, your socializing and visiting out into the gym and the hallways. And, uh, but otherwise, uh, stick, stick around here and enter into a time of, of uh, contemplation and feeling and knowing the presence of God. Maybe some of you need to take communion because you need to talk to God about this situation that you're in. And Jochebed, Mary... Bathsheba, they all had different challenge. They all had to find God's unique answer for their unique challenge. And so that's what you have to do too. You've got to find God's unique path for your unique situation. But God knows the way through the wilderness. I said God knows the way. God knows the way through the wilderness. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for moms who need to be encouraged. I pray, Father, for, 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 for moms and grandmas who have complicated situations that don't have easy answers. Show them how to make a basket, how to write a song, who they need to go visit, how they need to conduct themselves so they can release you to do what they cannot do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's enter into response time as the music plays. Like I said, if you want to visit, please uh, exit the auditorium and visit out in the hallways. Otherwise, come here and come down. In the back, there's communion. There's communion in the front. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. We love you. Have a great day.